0: Good morning everybody how we doing today good amen feel so encouraged by being in the top 20 that's incredibly depressing if that's true Uh, but hopefully we'll get through today and you won't think so but we'll find out I guess won't we Uh, real quick about Daryl he is uh, pastor Daryl and Jen I want to honor them uh, and just say how grateful I am Daryl has done some awful things to me but also, he's been a great guide for me. I, we were we were joking uh, the other night or last night, and I was remembering a story where I was a freshman in high school, and he convinced me to ask this junior in high school to homecoming. He told me she's going to say yes for sure. You got it in the bag. And then, of course, I asked her, and she said no. These are the kinds of things that Pastor Darrell would do to me. Uh, however, uh, truth be told. Uh, I stand before you today because of his ministry and discipleship in my life, and I'm truly grateful, been a pastor to me for 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 many, many years, and if we can, can we just honor uh, Daryl and Jen for a moment, just say thanks to them. <laughs> truly, truly grateful, <clears throat> and um, yeah, so uh, as as mentioned, uh, I'm from Philadelphia, I pastor a church. Our church is called The Block Church, and uh, the whole concept of our church is to revive every block, and we have six locations, five physical locations throughout the city, uh, one online, and uh, the block church, that's that's Neymar Church, and it's been an incredible journey, God has been faithful from 2014 to now, uh, I will say it's been an incredibly challenging journey, whenever you plant a church, start a work, uh, especially in a place that's so unchurched and so challenging like Philadelphia, all of our locations are in the city, city proper, and uh, we consider ourselves missionaries. Wh- whatever you hear uh, about about cities like Philadelphia, it's probably worse, and uh, it's a great place to visit, you should come, but also, you, you might not leave alive, you know. Uh, but but we're truly honored to be there, and, uh, and and really, God has been gracious. We're starting our first uh, building program in the fall. We're believing to buy three buildings in two years. Uh, we just bought one, renovated it, got one under contract. We're looking for a third. It's going to take a lot of money uh, and a lot of prayers, and so I know that you're focused on giving to your project, but if you can, consider praying for us. Can you do that? If you will, say yes. Okay don't lie to me now. You just said yes in church. If you don't pray for me, then, you know, I don't know what to tell you. But uh, anyway, that that's us. Let me introduce you to my family quick and then we'll get into God's word. My, my family, uh, Lauren, my wife, uh, my son Maverick, uh, and my uh, brand new daughter Jovi. And then uh, I have a dog and I thought I'd show him to you. His name is Phil, Philadelphia. And uh, <clears throat> that's his name. And you know when the Bible says that, that Satan masquerades as an angel of light? That's him. He is demonic and that spirit lives uh, with us. And, uh, but I can't get rid of him so, and he won't die. So anyway, that's my dog. So, uh, yeah, so, all right. So, so Philadelphia is the sixth largest city in the country. Uh, so it's, it's big. And we uh, were living in one part of the city when we had our first son, our son Maverick. Uh, And then my wife got pregnant again and around seven or eight months we moved to another part of the city and that would make our drive, our commute to the hospital where we were going to have Jovi, that was going to make it in rush hour over an hour. And so I I said to my wife, hey, uh, love, love of my life. Uh, Queen, whom I work for. Um, I, I just want to present something to you. We moved, and I know it may not happen, but just in case uh, you go into labor in rush hour in the sixth largest city in the country, uh, we should consider a different hospital. And she said, No, 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 won't happen like that. I love my doctor. I like my hospital. I feel comfortable. I said, okay, I understand that. I respect that. However, just in case, if you go into labor at rush hour, what if you have to give birth in the car? You'll never forgive me. That will be the end of us. (laughs) No, 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 no. It won't happen that way. It won't happen that way. Okay, I'll leave it alone. I'm smart. Been married for 10 years. I know when to drop something. Joey! my water broke. Oh, I'm upstairs. It's 4 PM on Thursday <laughs> In rush hour in the sixth largest city in the United States. And I said to myself, I'm not going to say I told you so. I'm not going to do that because that will be my life. I'll get murdered. And uh, I'm a vet now. I've already had a kid. Um, But I'm just going to mention, when we get in the car, hey, sixth largest city in the country, there's a lot of different hospitals. And I said this, I said, hey, you know, I I called ahead just in case to make sure they took our insurance. There's a hospital 10 minutes from here. Do you want to go there? No, 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 no. I love my doctor and I love my hospital. Take me to where I wanna go. I said, okay, but if you look at the maps, it's red. I don't wanna, I, I'm just gonna, it, it, it's gonna take us over an hour and what happens if, and I'm getting like, my, my arm is getting pulled and dragged and punched at this point. I said, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Okay, well, if I get, like, I'm, I'm the doctor if something happens, just get me there. Well, sure enough bumper to bumper bumper to bumper bumper to bumper till finally I, I she's screaming at me and I'm like I don't think we're gonna make it and it's bumper to bumper and I pull off and I see this police officer and I wave him down and I said hey I said we're about to have a baby can you help us and his his face goes white cause he knows now he's liable I'm out at this point like I'm not responsible. He is. He's the authority of the law. So he says, "Uh, uh, uh, follow me. And so he pulls off to this side road, and we get this beautiful police escort right here to the hospital. I become dad of the hero, hero of the moment. It was absolutely incredible. And you wonder how I got this video on the dash cam because he started driving away and my wife is like, what are you doing? I said, I have to get this on video. What I've endured, I have to tell this story. <laughs> so we end up getting to the hospital and we have Jovi, uh, our baby girl. Here she is. And uh, that's, that's, that's it. Have a great day. <laughs> Later on, You know a couple months later we were just sitting having dinner and I said hey babe um, I know we'll probably not have another kid but just in case we do can I ask you a question Um, what were you thinking in that scenario I I, why didn't we just go to the hospital that was close that took our insurance because of the, the the traffic we could have avoided a lot of drama and she said well, I was thinking I'm comfortable with my, with my hospital and my doctor. I said, that's great. I was uncomfortable with having to, I don't know, be beat up by you and maybe deliver the baby. And, and I, was, I was thinking about that. And, and I do think that there is a spiritual parallel. Okay. Now, look, giving birth is a thing. Okay. And uh, I, I didn't do it. I was there. I cheered. That's all I did. Um. But I understand, and I'm not putting this on my wife, right? I mean, she wanted to be comfortable with her doctor, her hospital, fair. But I do think there's a spiritual principle at play. A lot of us, we make decisions that are, in a sense, irrational, unhealthy. Uh, We make decisions that are and can be detrimental. Uh, We make decisions that can sometimes inconvenience or hurt other people. And again, I'm not putting that on my wife, but I am suggesting that we make decisions by how we think about what's happened to us based on comforts, based on control. i would say it like this. A lot of us think and make decisions because we are controlled by a spirit of fear rather than a spirit of freedom. The Bible says that you and I are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Paul writes that in 2 Corinthians. He says, the old is gone, the new has come. When I'm in the kingdom, I've got a new song in my mouth. My sin is as far as the east is to the west. Like I've been renewed. I've been transformed. The Bible says that when I renew my mind, my heart gets transformed. God says that you and I actually have the mind of Christ. You know, when I think about the cross... And I think about what happened. They nailed Jesus' feet, and the Bible really makes it clear that that's an exchange. His feet for our feet, you deliver good news, and your feet are now beautiful. Your feet used to take you to bad places, used to take you to dark things. Now you've got beautiful feet that are taking you to deliver the gospel. That's an exchange. When they nailed his hands to the cross, it was an exchange. Some of you used your hands for trouble, for fighting, for criminal behavior, you hurt people. But then in Christ, your hands that were old and sinful now become hands of Jesus. Now you're changing oil for single moms and serving your community. You, you see the exchange, right? When they put the crown of thorn on his heads, what happened? It was an exchange. It was a mindset exchange. It was old thinking is gone. New thinking is here. I've got the mind of Christ. I've got peace. I've got grace. I've got hope. But unfortunately, so many believers are still stuck thinking with their old self. And when we think with our old self, we limit our effectiveness, we limit our potential, we limit the miracles and the provision and the favor in our life. And what I want to help you do today, believer or someone who is not yet a believer, I want to help you think for your new self. That's the title of my message today, think for your new self. Come on, look at somebody next to you and tell them, think for your new self, your new self new self. Not my old self. I'm promised hope. I'm I'm promised a future. I'm promised peace. I'm promised favor. I'm promised provision. But some of us, we still think that it's not for us. But in Jesus' name, it is. If you believe that, say amen. You know, Paul writes in Colossians. This is where I want to go today. Colossians 3. And this was a group of people that were struggling to think with their new self. Uh, They were wrapped up in their old behavior, their old mindsets. They thought that God was providing for everyone else but them. And Paul writes, and he says, So as God's own chosen people who are holy, that's you and I. Some of you have a trouble accepting that. You and I were holy. We're set apart. We're sanctified for his purpose. We're well loved by God himself. Look at me. Some of us struggle to believe that we are well loved by God. That's got to end. Then he goes on and he says, Beyond all these things, put on and wrap yourself in unselfish love, which is the perfect bond of unity for everything is bound together in agreement when each one seeks the best for others. If I could boil Paul's sentiment here, he would be saying it like this. If you want to think for your new self, you have to let Love define you. Let love define you. Now, I think that that sounds rudimentary. It sounds basic. If you've been living for Jesus for a long time, you're going, yeah, love, of course. That's what we do. That's who God is. But, you know, here's what our culture will tell us. Our culture will tell us that love is whatever you feel. And love is whatever you make convenient. I love who I love, I do what I do, I feel what I feel, that's what love is. But but that's not really what love is. We see these four Greek words for love in the scriptures, and there is a moment where Jesus is speaking to Peter, and he asks him a question, he says, hey Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, of course I love you. What are you talking about? He's like, okay, if you love me, then you, you gotta you gotta feed my sheep, and then he asks him a second time, do you love me? And and then of course he asks him a third time, and Peter is now annoyed by this. Of Lord, of course I love you. I'm here for you, but I do think that this was a reminder of and really a reflection of the three times that Peter denied Jesus. Jesus was so smart. I don't think he was being petty, but he was being purposeful. And he was saying, hey, man, this is what love is. You lay your life down for me. You deny yourself. It's not about how you feel. It's not about what is convenient. It's not about what's easy. It's actually about taking up your cross and following me. If you love me, you will obey me. And if you love me, feed my sheep. That, that's what Jesus was getting at, that's what love is. You, you want to know what love is? It's obedience. It's obedience. And, and it's, it's, it, it is. Naturally, it's, it's hard for us because in our natural thinking, in, in our old thinking, we, feel, we think that love is what we feel. And feelings are real and they're helpful and they're good. But it's not Always the truth. The truth is, is that God created love. And so God gets to determine what love is and God gets to determine what truth is. You cannot have truth without love. You cannot have love without truth. And the truth is, is because God loved you, he sent Jesus to die for you. That's what love is. It's it's not your preferences. It's not your wishes. It's not your ambitions. And let me tell you something. Ambitions and dreams and hopes, good. Not bad. Not what love is. And and Paul's going, guys, if you want to think for your new self, if you want elevated thinking, if you want the favor of God, if you want victory in your life, you got to let love define you. Wrap yourself in it. There's a, a preacher. He's passed now. He made a funny statement. He said this. He said, He said, I need forgiveness every day because I hate people so much. (laughs) Anybody feel that way? Like I'm on my way way to work and I'm thinking about all the people I hate. (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm telling you. You know, you've been married for 10 years. You know, marriage is funny. In in, in one moment, you can feel the most deepest, incredible love. In the next second, you can feel the opposite. (laughs) come on somebody you know what I'm talking about and then in the next moment you're laughing about it you know there's days where I might not be as handsome as maybe I think I am my wife somehow is is beautiful and thin at all times eats pizza the night before eats pasta the night before she wakes up with abs I hate people like that really do It's unfair, and I hope they're fat in heaven. (laughs) I go to the gym three, four times a week and I'm like, somehow here I am. But you know you know what love is. Been married long enough to know, you know, that it's a choice for me to stay. It's a choice for me to be faithful. Some days it's easier, some days it's harder. But my proof of love is my obedience to the covenant that I made. For many of us, our journey with God maybe was about God loving you, but you not loving him. If you want to think for your new self, love is a verb. And if you love God, you're obedient to him. You're obedient to his word. You're obedient to his purpose. You're obedient to love people even when they're difficult to love. You're obedient to build the kingdom and finance the kingdom and serve the kingdom. Love is something you prove. Now, what's so wonderful about God's love is is even while we were sinners, he died for us. Amen? Amen. That, that we don't earn our salvation. It's by grace through faith. It's miraculous. But my response to him is that, God, whatever you say, I'm yours. You have my yes. You want to think for your new self? God has your yes. Are you with me so far? If you are, say yes. Yeah. Well, one thing I want to add to this, just one caveat. You know, there's a difference between guilt and shame. Okay, Uh, guilt and culture will have you believe something different, but guilt is actually healthy, not overwhelming guilt, but like, hey, if you you do something wrong, you should feel bad about that. If you don't, you're a sociopath. (laughs) If you curse somebody out and you got a church bumper sticker and you're honking your horn, you should probably feel bad about that. Ask for forgiveness. He's faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse of all unrighteousness. You'll never get that person to church, but at least you're going to heaven. <laughs> I mean, guilt. It's some, some guilt is healthy, but 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 then there's there's shame. Shame is is I've got a past. I've got a history, I've got sin that I can't get over, I keep doing the same thing over and over, I've got overwhelming anxiety, fear, uh, depression, I'm not sure if I fit in, Uh, do people love me, do people accept me, there's an element of shame that has been invited because of sin, your sin or somebody else's sin, and what happens when shame defines us, it's on us, it's in us, it comes out of us. And we have a hard time fully receiving God's love and fully being obedient because we see with the lens of shame. And friend, in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone. What's happened has happened. The pain might be there. God can heal it. But you've got to learn to step on the neck of shame and say, I'm a child of God. I'm loved. I'm clean. I'm renewed. I'm transformed. God's got me. And no matter what the enemy says to me or about me, I'm loved by God and I wrap myself in this. And when I wrap myself in this, it impacts every other area of my life. You want to think for your new self, you got to let love define you. Next part of this is, is he says this, he says, he says, so as God's own chosen people, that's you and me, holy, set apart, sanctified, and well-beloved by God, verse 15, And I love this. Read this with me. Look at it. Let the peace of Christ. You can put that up there, verse 15, if they're helping. Okay, you got your own Bible. Let the peace of Christ. There it is. Let the inner calm. Come on, somebody. Inner calm. Don't you want that? The inner calm of one who walks with him daily. Let it be, let it be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding, this is important, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace Indeed, you were called as members in one body of believers and to be thankful to God always. This is good. Okay, if you want to think for your new self, you got to let love define you, but you also have to let peace control you. Let peace control you. Now, it's weird in church as a preacher to suggest that anything should control you. But I don't know about you. I've got a crazy five-year-old. I named him Maverick. That was a mistake. I've got a perfect, brand-new baby girl, except at nighttime. I've got a demonic dog, and a wife who likes me occasionally. I live in a crazy city with with, with the most deep poverty in the United States. That means uh, household income. to $15,000 a year, the most of that in the United States. Gun violence and murder, we are rivaling and beating Chicago in murders. I've got six locations. I've got 17, 18 employees. Um, I have all these different things on my plate, all vying for my attention, all vying for my energy. Here's what I'm saying. I would love it if peace controlled me. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking for some peace and quiet. You know what I'm saying? But not just the peace and quiet. Last night we were walking around the new property and 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 the the the, the pink skies and I was like, "Oh, wow, the Midwest, so peaceful. Everyone's so nice here. Loves God, loves each other, loves America." <laughs> and I was like, "But but that was that was that was momentary calm, okay? It was momentary. What I'm talking about is is the world's falling apart whether it's a diagnosis or drama, whether it's trouble, sickness, pain hospital bed, divorce you name it, I want the kind of peace that in the midst of trouble I got it you know what the Bible calls that? it's the peace that surpasses all understanding and guess what? that's promised to you and me so, so, so why is it That we don't walk in it? Why is it that we don't receive it? Why is it that even in the church, anxiety, depression, suicide, divorce is prevalent? Is it possible we're not thinking with our new self? Is it possible we're not controlled by peace? You know that word peace here, or controlled, It actually means to arbitrate, to judge. The best way that I can illustrate it is this. I don't know if you like baseball or not, but the best hitters study pitching. And the best hitters, when they're in the batter's box and they're getting ready to hit, they're calling the pitch. They see the pitcher wind up and they see him go a certain way. They can tell when it's leaving his hand, curveball, breaking ball. Knuckleball, anybody can tell that. Fastball. Because cause, cause great batters call the pitch. They've got, what do you call, a good eye. And believer, listen to me. You want peace to control you? You've got to have a good eye. But what I mean by that is in Luke 8, I love this, Jesus begins to speak to the demon and he says, Declare yourself. Who are you? And I love this because the Bible tells me that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. So, so whatever that Holy Spirit power was in the grave that lifted Jesus out of it, brought him back to life, you and I have access to the same thing. The Bible tells me I can go to the throne room boldly. The Bible tells me all sorts of crazy things that maybe I'm still thinking is not for me. And so what happens is, is Jesus casts out a demon or he tells the demon to identify himself. I would say the same for you. If you want to let peace control you, you got to define the drama. You got to say, okay, hey, you know what? Kids aren't getting along today. Wife's driving me nuts. I'm driving her nuts. It's usually that. Whatever it is, there's something in the atmosphere. I got to define it. Oh, I work today, I I woke up, I'm in a bad mood, everybody's bothering me, someone spilled their coffee on me, the devil's trying to get me today, I am going to let peace control me, I'm going to take a step back and go, this is not my promise today. I mean, you name it, stuff's going on, you've got a choice. Do you call the pitch and tell the enemy to identify himself? Or do you fall in the trap of being anxious and frustrated and angry and acting out and falling into sin and to temptation? The reality is this. Paul says, you can have peace control you. The inner peace of one who walks with him daily. I don't know about you. I want that. I want that. And not every day do I get it right. But it's still promised. And you know how we attain Peace close our eyes, we take deep breaths and we say, Holy Spirit, take residence in me. Holy Spirit, lead my day. Holy Spirit, guard my words. Today, help me guard my mind. I will guard my gates. I'm gonna be careful what goes in my ear. I'm gonna be careful what I watch with my eyes. I'm gonna be careful what I put in my mouth because it all impacts my peace. Do you know that since the pandemic anxiety depression has up shot up thirty percent suicides increasing I mean in our culture in our city i mean it is i mean it is so sad I, I my heart breaks for our young people if gun violence isn't killing them, then you know this is and and I just jotted this down I think this can help you if you want to kind of have some some notes to refer back to when it comes to anxiousness. I think you should write this down. I put, put seven quick hitters down, and here's the first one. You, you want to overcome some of your anxiousness? you got to know yourself, and you got to know your triggers. I know myself, and that's important. I know myself, and I know that when I'm starting to overeat, uh, when I'm not getting enough rest, when I don't take time to do my hobbies... Uh, I know that when I'm short with people, when I start hating everybody, I know that when my son, whom I love with all of my heart, when he climbs up in my lap and I find myself annoyed at that, I know that I'm falling into a trap where peace is not controlling me. So I know my trigger. So what do I do? I pay attention to what I eat. I get extra rest. I go play golf. Some of your men are like, Honey, I have to play golf seven days a week. It's the only way to be free. Okay, that's a lie, but maybe four or five days. <laughs> you got to know yourself and your triggers. Here's the second one. you got to embrace your place. Embrace your place. See, what I mean by that is this. Uh, there, are, there is what I call, there's general anxiety disorder. That's medical. And some of us might have that, and it might take some counseling and psychology or even medication for a season, whatever God leads you to. But there's also what I call comparison anxiety disorder. And a lot of us, we get into trouble because we're just flipping on social media. We're on Instagram. And we're like, man, how they got that house? How, how, how come their wife is so beautiful? Their kids look like they listen. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, they got promoted. I didn't. What's wrong with me? And we, we take on a victim. Mentality and identity and then it gets us into trouble and the next thing you know we're stressed out and anxious because we think we don't have what somebody else does but here you are with the family and here you are with a marriage and here you just are forgetting to water your own garden. Or maybe you're single and, and believing God for a husband or, or a wife. And, and let me tell you something. That's a good thing. Pray for that. But forget not how blessed it is to be single. And that God can use that too. Whatever your place is, embrace it. Water it. Make it better. Here's number three. Accept what you cannot change or control. Anxiety isn't always a fear problem. It's a love problem. And I know... And I've seen plenty of people who've been in a hospital bed with no anxiety, knowing that God loves them and that he's working it out for their good and for his glory and people who are healthy, God at all, but are anxious. It's a love problem. Here's number four. Know your overarching purpose as a sheep and as a believer. If you you don't remember and realize that you exist to make disciples and be a disciple, then you fall into a trap of Trying to keep up with the Joneses. At the end of the day, purpose always makes pain manageable. Here's number six, engage the helper. Excuse me, number five, get back on the path. Our God is the God of the prodigal son. Our God is the one who stands and waits for you to return. And maybe you're here today, and it's been a long time since you've been with God, been in a relationship with God, or you've never invited Jesus to be your Savior. The picture of our God is a good father who sits on a stoop and waits and says, Come home. I love you. I don't care what's happened. I know what you did, and I've paid the price for it. Come home. That's the God we serve. Number six. Number six, engage the helper. We need a relationship with the Holy Spirit each and every day. Last one, number seven: find a tribe of sheep. In other words, insulate, don't isolate. I've noticed I've noticed in my church, um, our church is extremely diverse in both age and background. And I've noticed this in my church that uh, the young people are more, you know, the Gen Zs, the millennials, they're craving community. They, they want to be in relationship. Now, they get offended easier. <laughs> ah. uh, but they, they crave relationships so that it's, it's easier for them to go and find people and, and they, don't, they aren't isolating as much. I've noticed that, that folks who maybe have kids and their kids are starting to get older, become teenagers, for some reason, it's easier for them to isolate because it's like, well, I got to get up, I got to go to work, I don't have as much free time, I've got three kids, and they're all insane, and I got to go to soccer practice, and this practice, and And so what happens is our life gets busy, and sometimes even unintentionally, we end up isolating, and here's what happens. We are sheep. We are followers of the good shepherd. And when we isolate, the wolf attacks us. But we're not made to isolate. We're made to insulate. When we are together, when we are in community, when we are known, when we love each other, when we are confessing our issues and finding healing, when we are insulating, we are way more apt to be victorious, especially when it comes to the fears, the anxieties, depressions, the things that try to take us out. What am I saying? I'm saying if you want to think for your new self, you got to believe how loved you are and be obedient, but you also have to let peace control you. Wouldn't that be nice? That's your promise. And as I kind of finish this message, I hope you've gotten something. I want to read verse 12 and then 16 again, and piano can come. But the Bible says it's God's own chosen people, and I keep reading this so you believe it. You and I, we are holy, we're set apart for His purpose, and we're well-loved by God Himself. And then verse 16 says this, let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you, dwelling in your heart and mind, permeating every aspect of your being as you teach Spiritual things and admonish and train one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Basically, Paul's going, All right, you're gonna wrap yourself in love, you can have peace literally consume you, but at the end of the day, you have to have the word live inside of you, you have to define your life with a with a biblical holy mentality if you want to be victorious if you want to think for your new self you actually have to have a biblical worldview a biblical worldview and listen to me every day you wake up culture society the enemy he is vying for your attention. He wants you to have a hybrid worldview. I got a little bit of the world inside my brain. I got a little bit of culture vying for my attention. I've got political affiliations that vie for my mindset, my attention. I, I, I've got all these ideas. I need this. I need that. And what Paul is saying is is first beyond anything, beyond your political affiliations, beyond your commitment to sports teams, beyond your commitment to your job, to money, to retirement, all of this different stuff, you've got to have a biblical worldview and a biblical mandate. If you don't, you'll just swift and go with the wind. You'll be like a shifting shadow. And your life will render ineffectiveness. You'll blow with whatever... Wind blows today, you'll you'll believe anything you hear, you'll accept any truth that someone declares. And Paul is urging them, listen to me, there is but one truth, there is but one hope, there is but one name that's above every other name, there is but one way, it's Jesus Christ. you got to let that live inside of you, you got to have a biblical mindset. And when you do, take the limits off. When you start to think biblically, when, when, when Christ is first, when the Kingdom is first, when you are not being held back by the fears of this earth, when you say yes to God, God you can have all of me, you can have all of my resources, you can have all of my time, you can have all of my relationships, like when He's really first, then you live an extraordinary life. Then you live the life of miracles. Then you live the life of open hands. That's when you lay hands on the sick and they recover. That's when you see your family transform. When he's got all of you. What's a biblical mindset? What's a biblical worldview? I read a, I read a stat that says just slightly more than 37% of Christians maintain a biblical worldview. No wonder we're losing the grip on our nation and on our children. Here's what a biblical worldview is. If you believe it, would you say amen? It's defined as believing that absolute moral truth exists and that truth is defined by the Bible. Here's number one. Those views were that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. You believe it? Amen? God is the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe and he still rules it today. Amen? That salvation is a gift from God and it cannot be earned. Amen? that Satan is real, amen. Christianity has a responsibility to share their faith in Christ with other people, amen. And the Bible is accurate in all of its teachings, amen. Here's what a secular worldview is. If it offends me, it's wrong. The contrary is that absolute truth exists and it will be offensive. You should feel some type of way about truth because conviction is godly. A secular worldview says that I'm better than you because of your color, status, or position, but a biblical worldview suggests that I'm better with you because of your color, status, or position. A secular worldview would be if I disagree with you, well, you're canceled. But a biblical worldview would suggest that if I disagree with you, I'm still gonna love you, I'm still gonna pray for you, I'm still gonna bless you, I'm still gonna leave God's best for you, I'm still gonna invite you, I'm not gonna destroy our relationship because you voted this way. As I close, I wanna tell you a story. No football games to get to today, soon, so. Take a couple extra minutes. Who do you even root for here? Haven't been in the playoffs in forever. I'm sorry, guys. So um, I've had this this woman, she's she'd been stalking me for a couple years, send crazy emails, and you know what happens sometimes as pastors? At first I was like, man, maybe it's just because I'm so good looking, but then that's not why. And so she would come to our office and she'd be like, Hey, where's Pastor Joey? And she would write notes on our office and leave it there. And it would say weird stuff and scriptures out of context. And she would, she would send crazy emails. But then she found out where I lived. And then she was coming to my house. Found out later she lived one block away from me. She was writing crazy things on my front door. Things like, I'm gonna burn your house and your church down, I'm gonna kill your kids, some crazy stuff. So of course we, we call the police and we're, we're having to get you know some different things and, and, and you know th- there's a limit on what the police can do, particularly in a city like ours. I mean, justice is not like a high priority. And it came to a head one day where I'm at the park and I'm just sitting at the park, my son's playing in the water. And I'm just texting my wife, and we're enjoying the sunshine. And, and I look up, and, and she's standing over me. She starts screaming at me, stop following me. Stop harassing me. You left a dead bird in my house. And I said, yes, you got me. That's my signature move is to leave a dead bird in your house. That's supposed to be funny. You're like, am I allowed to laugh at this? So, so, so my son at this point, she's starting to scream all kinds of crazy words and F words and all this stuff. My son runs over and he jumps in my arms. And so I'm like, man, I better back up. Like, this seems like this could get a little bit, you know, crazy. So I'm backing up and backing up. And she's, you know, 20 feet away. And, and she, she throws her backpack uh, on, on uh, the bench. And, and I'm thinking, oh, man, she's starting to fumble through it. And I'm, I literally had the thought, I'm getting shot today. Now, there's 60 people in this park. But like in philly everybody's just like oh this is just a domestic like whatever and people are just like clearing out i'm like hello somebody help me and so she's fumbling through her back and it literally felt like an eternity and i was like am i gonna throw my son am i gonna what am i gonna do here so she pulls out not a gun she pulls out an axe brand new it's funny now like you can take a deep breath it's okay and i was like so my th- my mind was like okay I can survive this i think but like what am i gonna do and so i call the police and she's starting to come near me and so i've got my phone in one hand i got my son in the other he's three and a half at this point and i'm evading her i'm hiding behind the swing sets and all the different where, where they keep the balls i mean i'm i'm moving about and i'm asking people to help me and i'm on the phone and dispatch goes does anybody have covid i said lady you can count me as a COVID death when I die. Please send somebody. Like I was like, what? So I hung up on dispatch, and I called a sergeant in, in, in our church, and she said, stay in the park. If you leave, you'll be isolated. And so uh, she's like, I'm calling my, my, my uh, commander or whatever. And so I'm literally, for the next 15 minutes, I am like evading her in the park, and she's screaming and chasing me with an ax. And, and I'm like trying to get people's help. And eventually people realize I'm not the crazy one. And so eventually, after a while, I mean, she, she, these three men stand in front of me and, and, the, and the police come and, and they take her. And it's it's been ongoing. And I literally just went to court for this to testify a year plus later. And my son is, is laying on my chest and he's going, Dad, can you get me a sword for Christmas so I can protect you? I had a choice to make because, man, we've been through a lot in Philadelphia planting this church, and I'm grateful we did it. But things like that have made me question: Do I want to keep doing this? Am I really called to this? Like God, are you sure? Like, like, can I have my yes back? You ever said that to God? Can I get a Can I get a refund on my yes? And and God reminded me of Paul and his words. Hey, whether well-fed, clothed, hungry, or naked, I was content because I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I was reminded of Paul's words when he said, I've been shipwrecked, I've been beaten, I've been given the 39 lashes, I've been bit by a snake i've been i've been to all of these different things i did it all for the glory of god and i was just reminded god called me to something great and i gave him my yes and he reminded me of peter walking on water and the disciples in danger toils and trouble and i just felt like god go hey i got you the biblical mindset for me is i gotta forgive her i gotta love her and i gotta love the soil that god has put me in And the translation for you today is this. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. But a biblical worldview is God placed me in this soil. And he could have put Paul here. He could have put Jeremiah here. He could have put Isaiah here. He could have put, you name it, Peter. He could have put anybody at this moment on this soil. But he chose to put you. What are you going to do about it? That's the question. gotta think for my new self because my old self would have run but my new self is running too god you can have all of me all of me and i i'm here because kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven you believe that today if you do say yes and amen can we give god a praise today can you bow your head and can you close your eyes all over this room I want to pray over you, and then I want to ask you an important question. My prayer is this. In Jesus' name right now, if you are are dealing with anxiety and fear and depression and darkness, if your marriage is in trouble, if you've had suicidal thoughts or harming yourself, in Jesus' name, I rebuke that spirit now, and I say, peace that's promised to you over you and in you. Your best days are ahead. God's got plans for you. He's got a purpose for you, to use you in some of the darkest places in your city, your town, or even your home. God loves you. And I thank God right now that He died for you, not so that you would be full of shame, but that you would be full of victory. And I declare that over you right now in Jesus' name. And there are people here today that you're far from God. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe at one point you did, but you don't anymore. And if you're here today and you're far from God, you need to begin a journey or start again. If that's you, this is the best time. This is the moment that God planned. If that's you, would you wave at me right now? Would you wave at me right now? You're saying, I got to get right with God today. I got to begin a journey with God today. I got to start again with God today. If that's you today, would you wave at me? I'll wait just another moment. God, thank you for this house. Thank you for this church. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that their best days are in front of them. Bless them. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.